So we, we begin to kind of cancel out possible reasons. Uh, we cancel out a huge influx of elderly people having suddenly arrived in the country. You know, so there's no evidence uh, for that. Uh, there's no evidence of a sudden big uptake of drinking and smoking among the elderly. In fact, smoking rates are at an all-time low. Proportion of people who, who don't drink is at an all-time high. That is Danny Dolling, Halford McKinder Professor of Geography at the University of Oxford and author, along with Lucinda Hyam, of a new editorial on bmj.com. In the opening paragraph of that editorial, it says, an additional person died every seven minutes during the first 49 days of 2018, compared with what had been usual in the previous five years. Why? I'm Duncan Jarvis, and it's on that why that Danny and I talked. In this conversation, we discuss that spike in mortality, what it means for overall life expectancy in the UK, spoiler, it's not great, and what Danny thinks could be fueling the change. Now over to that interview. Danny, the last time you were here, you were talking about homelessness. Um, now you're talking about this spike in death rates that we've seen at the beginning of 2018. Um, they're very disparate. So what brought this to your attention? Uh, with a group of colleagues, we've been monitoring the uh, weekly reports of mortality for several years because the last five years have seen this slowdown in the improvement in life expectancy and some particularly bad periods, in particular January 2015. The first seven weeks of 2018 uh, have, saw, have seen an increase in, in deaths, an absolute increase of over 10,000, which is larger uh, than the increase seen in 2015. And 2015 was the worst event, I think, since the Second World War. Um, we mm. debate about it. Um, and uh, there comes a point when you just have to say something is happening and you, you, you can't simply watch it any anymore. And it was a it was at that point when, when we saw that the figures were still above the average for the last five years by week seven. And in fact, week eight is well above as well, um, that, that we just thought we have to write something about this. Mm. Um, so you've, you've sort of mentioned this a little bit, but can you set out really what is going on with the stats? Can you sort of take us through a picture of the last five years and, and, and what we've seen? Yes, well, until 2010, Mortality was improving in Britain in a sort of similar way as it was improving in Europe, and life expectancy was rising at a steady pace and, and had been for decades. And then around about uh, 212, we saw this first in 213, there were signs that for elderly women in particular, the, the improvements were slowing down uh, rapidly and people were not sure the reasons and they said it could be influenza or cold winter and so on and it turned out influenza wasn't particularly high, the winter wasn't particularly cold. Um, as we got into 2014 and particularly 2015, the slowdown just carried on and on. Um, and so life expectancy now, the projections that the Office of National Statistics makes for the future are now a year lower than they were making two years ago because so many more people have died a little bit earlier than was expected. Um, if you compare this to the rest of Europe, there is no other country in Europe which has seen so little improvement 
in life expectancy between 2010 and 2015. So something incredibly unusual has happened in Britain. The last time we had a slowdown in uh, improvements in health like this was in the 1880s and early 1890s. Now, obviously, there is always going to be some variation around um, the rate at which people die. And uh, how do we know that this is an actual... (laughs) It's not random. (laughs) Yes. Sorry, I'm laughing. Um, When it first happened in 2012 and 2013, that was a possibility. 2014, 2015, 2016, 2017, first seven weeks of 2018. Uh, There comes a point, and you can work it out and you can do the stats and work out the confidence limits. Right, random variation um, does not account for something that carries on and on and on. It, I, I, I suppose I could try and give you a more technical answer about this. Um, for the number of people who die on a particular day, then there is an influence of random events, but it is not great over a whole population. For you individually, of course, this is high. Uh, for any individual person, their life expectancy, you can estimate an average for people like them, but it could be 20 years out either way. But for a group of people, the error rate goes down and down. And for a very large group, like an entire country, um, you really are not looking at God playing dice. When there's a big increase in people dying, it's because something has happened. Mm. So we had the conversation with Michael Marmot on the podcast about this, and he um, set out some of the reasons why he thought of it. But I just want to sort of delve into the data a little bit more here and so what's the link between the kind of the spike in the death rate that we've seen in early 2018 and it's sort of you know over that period 10,000 more people have died than the average Um, and what's the link between that and overall um, life expectancy Um, because it would seem that you know regardless of of if life expectancy goes down that would still you know it should sort of even out over the year you would have thought oh because yes it's just people you may think this is people dying a few months earlier in in the winter but um yes that's what we we kind of thought back in 2013 but that isn't what's happening people are actually dying earlier and you go through all kinds of possibilities so i mean uh, luckily the weekly deaths with a week's lag, the cause of death is broadly recorded, and we know that it's not influenza because the broad group of causes that includes influenza has seen hardly any uh, unusual rise in it. So we we begin to kind of cancel out possible reasons. Uh, we cancel out a huge influx of elderly people having suddenly arrived in the country. You know, so there's no evidence uh, for that. Uh, there's no evidence of a sudden big uptake of drinking and smoking among the elderly. In fact, smoking rates are at an all-time low. The proportion of people who, who don't drink is at an all-time high. And this particular age group, this is the elderly who are mainly affected, uh, are not the age group who are yet suffering from the obesity epidemic. So it's not bad health behaviour. Um, we should say it's not just the elderly. Uh, one of the saddest things is that infant mortality is now rising for children born to the poorest parents. In the 1990s, in 1990, the UK ranked seventh in Europe for its neonatal mortality rate. Only six countries were better. By 2015, ONS have just released data showing that the UK has a neonatal mortality rate. This is the 19th best in Europe. 18 countries do better. 
Croatia, Estonia, Lithuania, Portugal and Slovenia do better than the UK for neonatal mortality. And I've never seen that uh, recorded before in this country. And there's also uh, rises in mortality for certain groups in the adult population, not of retirement age, particularly people who are in receipt of uh, benefits because of their disabilities. There's been uh, increases in their mortality and there's been papers published in peer review journals linking these statistically significantly to cuts in the funding of these people. Mm. I mean, on that, um, you know, You've mentioned there already that uh, infant mortality amongst the, the worst off are, is increasing um, and that life expectancy amongst poorer women is decreasing. So, you know, is that a very sort of, is the, the, the change skewed um, along socioeconomic lines? The change is, is skewed along socioeconomic lines. The average person is doing very, very badly, hence a year of life expectancy has gone from men and women for the future, and that's the average. The poorest are seeing the actual biggest absolute drops in life expectancy and biggest absolute rises in infant mortality. But even the best off are seeing things becoming worse. And the best evidence that the best off are seeing things becoming worse are the private pension companies, which are now recording record profits because they've worked out that they're not going to have to pay as many years in pension to people who've taken out private pensions because their records show that their members, that is affluent members of society with a private pension, are beginning to die at a faster rate than they'd assumed. Mm. Oh, sorry, one other really important thing there. Really, really important and quite complicated. Uh, When 2015, when that spike hit, there was just one age group which didn't see an increase in mortality, and that was 25 to 29-year-olds. Now, what is unusual about 25 to 29-year-olds is that they include the highest proportion of immigrants from mainland Europe. Immigrants tend to be very healthy, almost ridiculously healthy in the the case of people coming from Europe. Um, And one thing that stopped life expectancy falling in Britain has been the immigration, because we've been continuously bringing in healthy young people from Europe and adding them to our statistics. We've also been exporting elderly people to the continent. David Cameron's father and Nick Clegg's father both died in France. Um, And that has affected our, our life expectancy figures. With the very recent and rapid fall in immigration from Europe, those healthy migrants are no longer coming in their number. So apart from everything else that is going on, we should expect the changing migration patterns to mean that life expectancy falls. The worrying thing is that people will then say, oh, it's only fallen because of Brexit, not because of anything that's really happening. But we've got so much data that now shows it's really falling for people. And the only thing masking us getting an overall fall has been the immigration of healthy people. Hmm, interesting. Um, I mean, when you talk about something like life expectancy, you know, it's not just about the things that happen at the end of someone's life that that affect that um stuff happens all through life you know we've got an increase in life expectancy because the population is generally healthier um throughout their life so i just wonder um how do we know what it is that's that's kind of causing this decrease or do we have any idea of what it is um could it be something that's happened 10 years ago 15 years ago that's now only manifesting Mm. Uh, 
possibly this this is why a, a proper investigation is needed the problem at the moment is that the department of health and social care really is not interested and doesn't want to investigate this it, it issues press release after press release saying oh don't worry life expectancy is still rising a tiny bit for some people um essentially don't don't worry we need an investigation we have been looking so for instance we know that um the rate at which people gave up smoking in the past and if there had been a sudden increase in, in smoking in the 70s or 80s for instance you might begin to see that having an effect now but there wasn't um look, your health is affected by what happens throughout your life but if you take the infants the fact that there's rising infant mortality for poor babies that suggests that this is about things that are happening now not things that happen say to their mothers 10 or 20 uh years ago it's not behavior this is really key um so so it is not alcohol it is not cigarettes it is not obesity um obesity will have an effect in the future but not yet it is not aging people don't suddenly age and when we look at the areas of the country it is the poorest areas and it's the areas i mean you end up saying it, it's austerity and the cuts is the most likely cause the parts of britain most affected by the cuts the people most affected by the cuts are the ones seeing the, the worst health outcomes. I mean, you know, the, the, there are ways of looking at dose response relationships in medicine to see the more you do something, does it have an effect and is the effect bigger? And I'm afraid austerity and the cuts are making people's lives worse and their health not improving does appear to be remarkably and consistently and continuously well connected in this country it may well be incredibly complicated it may well be a whole set of things that range from rural bus services having been cut so the elderly are stuck in rural areas through to meals and wheels having been cut um through to a general sort of sense of despondency we don't know the mechanism and it's rather like not knowing the precise mechanism between smoking cigarettes and getting cancer but just because you don't know the precise mechanism and all the pathways doesn't mean that when there's an incredibly strong correlation between these things, you shouldn't say we need to look into this and look into this urgently. Mm. I mean, as you say, there, there is definitely a skew. Um, you know, this is definitely affecting um, the worst off more. So it is reasonable to assume it's because of austerity. But then, as you, you said, you know, pension companies are, are seeing this this change in the more wealthy. And we know that the more wealthy have actually, you know, their income has increased over that period. And, and maybe their use of social or other services that are really, you know, seeing the brunt of those cuts. So there, there, there seems to be something else going on as well. There's something else. Well, their income, their income and living standards were increasing up to 2008. But after 2008... For the best of people in society, uh, you actually saw a slowdown in their take in what they had in their wealth. I mean, I'll give you an extreme example. Last year, for the first time in my life, I'm age 50. Last year, the bosses of the top 100 companies had a pay cut of a million pounds on average. That's FTSE 100 CEOs. Um, so they're doing fine. They can obviously afford a private pension. But even the FTSE 100 have actually... Uh, see things worse off and the other thing to, to worth saying about affluent people is that they tend they get to old ages so things that affect people in their 80s 85 86 87 year olds will tend to be affecting people who are more affluent in middle age um, they're the ones who are now say in the cottage in the country but can't drive and the rural bus service is gone and the gp 
uh, is not coping as well uh, because actually there should be another GP there if we'd increase spending in health the way we've been increasing it before. So that there's a great irony here in, in a, quite a lot of the people who have died early, earlier than you would have expected, were probably pretty well off uh, in most of their life. But when they came to the end of their life, then the services that they thought would be there uh, were not there. The middle class and the upper middle class actually take as, as much, if not more, in terms of the welfare state as the working class because they live longer into old age, and John Hills has shown this. And so you actually take back what you pay in taxes um, because by, by living into old age and relying on services. Uh, and the, you can only buy yourself out so much. You can only use private healthcare so much. When you become you know, a routine case needing help, it is the state at the end of the day which is there for you. And if the state is being withdrawn, then the very affluent who get to live to quite old ages, even they are affected. Um, now, you're, you're saying that the Department of Health hasn't taken this seriously enough and that they really need to investigate. Um, but I'm wondering if it's so multi... No, 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 I don't, I don't, I'm not saying that. I, I would not say they should investigate. I mean, they have lost their credibility. You've simply got to look at health story after health story that's come out the last five years. And in almost all of them, there's a sentence in the bottom of the story in the newspaper that says, a Department of Health official said, cancer rates are lower than ever, something else, something else, don't worry. Five years of this from the Department of Health, they've lost their credibility. Mm, and they've been rebuked for misusing those statistics, um, I suppose. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I suppose, the, so you're saying that the government needs to investigate? Uh, the, the House of Commons, uh, needs to investigate, the Select Committee on Health needs to investigate. Um, it, it, you, Department of Health have lost their credibility. Um, it's If you look at who could investigate, I'm afraid you, we just end up in a select committee. I mean, one of our four chief medical officers could put their head up out of the parapet and say, under my tenure as chief medical officer, something quite dramatic has happened. But you don't tend to appoint people who would you know, do that. So I'm afraid it's a select committee. I can't think of another body. Mm. And I was going to say, um, you know, given it's such a multifactorial problem, um, it, it doesn't. It's not just to do with our health service. It's to do with with everything. Um, yeah. Which which means that MPs are not necessarily a bad group of people to talk about it. And it's very political. You know, I mean, the reason why the Department of Health will not say, "Oh, we'll, we've got a problem." is because politically, if a government admits that its policies may actually be shortening the lives of the people who vote for it, you're in trouble. Yes, I suppose so. Um, I mean, is there any, you know, is there any movement on that? Uh, is this being talked about at, at policy or at governmental level? Uh, there are members of Parliament asking questions uh, in the House of Commons. Uh, those questions are still often being answered slowly and with kind of merely worded official replies that say if we calculate things in a certain way we can't be sure statistically that it's a significant rise that's only because they've chosen to do a particular comparison and not another one but the number of parliamentary questions is increasing in quantity um, so the sort of pressure there is rising You've been listening to Danny Dawling discuss why he thinks austerity is behind the increase in death rates in 2018 and the overall decrease in life expectancy in England and Wales. In that interview, we mentioned a previous interview on the topic with Professor Sir Michael Marwood. If you want to find that 
have a look on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts from. There you'll find that episode and hundreds of others all available for free. Subscribe so you don't miss out. That's all for this week. I hope you found it interesting. The editorial that Danny and Lucinda Hyam wrote, Rise in Mortality in England and Wales in the First Seven Weeks of 2018, is now online. I'm Duncan Jarvis. Thanks for listening.